Welcome to episode 134 of Cowboys Ride for Free, the podcast. My name is Joel Penfield. As always, I'm joined by Philip Slavin. How are you doing? It's Sunday night. I'm putting, I've made another page of progress on my Boone Pickens Stadium. It's like Legos, but it's like a knockoff tiny version of Legos, but it's got, I have the whole Boone Pickens Stadium set. I have like three, all of their OSU sets. Anyways, long story short, I have uh, another page in on that. My daughter is asleep. Uh, it's been a, it's been a good day. I'm good. I am good. I'm good, JP. Good. Good to hear it. So as, as good as we may be doing right now, we do have to talk about, uh, the game yesterday, Oklahoma state losing on homecoming 45, 27, uh, Baylor is now seven and oh, and they're continuing to move up in the rankings. It was they're, they're a really solid team this year. Matt rule has done a fantastic job and a quick rebuild there. So a ton of credit goes to Baylor for playing and coming in and, ruining homecoming, but I think there's a lot to unpack with Oklahoma State, not only Saturday, but moving forward as well. I know a lot of the fan base is wanting to, you know, go full panic mode, fire everybody. You know, I'm not there, but I do have legitimate concerns about the way the team is trending and the program as a whole is trending. Uh, it seems like they've lost a lot of the steam that they had from those three 10-win teams a few years ago, and it they're just kind of stuck in neutral and moving backwards, and that's not what you want to see right now with all the momentum that they had. Uh, I was willing to kind of have last year kind of as just a one-off. The team was what it was. I had higher expectations for what they could be this year, and they just they just haven't met them yet. But it just doesn't feel like there's any sort of progress that we've seen week to week. So let's start this. Since we're going to start talking about the program as it's, as it's on as opposed to the game. If we want to start with the game, we can go right ahead. We can kind of go to the Hulk. I know you want to start with the The season is disappointing, but here's the deal. The season is disappointing because we lost a game that we all thought we should win and that an Oklahoma State team normally does, and they didn't. Um, We can get mad that they lost to Tech because they shouldn't have. I get it. OSU's record as a favorite is bad right now. OSU is – what did I? What, I have all these fun stats for my story. So I put my four quarters up on the site. I got lots of fun things in it. Oh yeah, so Cowboys are eleven nine over the last twenty. Three years before that, they were thirty and nine. Like I get it. This this is not what we expect from Oklahoma State. Um, and the season is not going well. That said, this is the first loss that I predicted to be a win. Yeah. It's frustrating because now you look at this team and the projection is. It's not just like okay, well they'll figure something else out. Like you look at the team and you're worried. I know that people are like, they're not going to win another game this season. I'm like, okay, if last year's team could get to six wins, you can calm down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, have you watched any of TCU yet? They're in a worse position than Oklahoma State is. And we're going to, I really want to have an OSU TCU conversation because I think that's two programs in a very similar boat right now. Yeah. Um, yeah that have to about kind of look inward at doing a few things that are going to be uncomfortable to make things better moving forward. But all that aside, TCU is God awful. You get them at home. I know Kansas just put up 48 points on Texas and almost beat them. And that game was, that game actually like made my Saturday so much better. Like I was, I was angry and I went out and had to follow my daughter, had a cookie, um, came home and, and picked that game up like right before halftime and watched the Kansas Texas game to the end, and I felt so much better about myself, um, just as a college I, I football was, fan because so, of that game. I was so ready for the the Texas's back memes to, to oh come they back popped and up and they were glorious. They were and they were and it was so close. It was just so close. <laughs> 
And I, I have so many friends in Lawrence, like that city would have burned to the ground if they beat Texas that night. So, so would have Austin. Oh, so that's, too, oh, that's, have Austin. that's true. Um, but this team is going to get six wins. Like, look, they are. Um, they might get to seven. Um, TCU is kind of a toss up game. It's not. Kansas isn't. Uh, I think Iowa State's a loss. Be ready for back to back losses. Y'all are gonna uh, no three losses in a row. We're gonna have a three game losing. When's the last time OSU had a three game losing streak? There's a stack. Oh, um, no, I know that it's 2015 into the season. Yep. Baylor, OU, Ole Miss. Anyways, not uh, my weird memory of. I can't remember to like do stuff around the house that my but wife no, told I me. Can, about, uh, but I'm, I can I'm remember the last time Oklahoma State had a three game losing streak. She she would hate that joke. Um, she would glare at me for it. Bless that sweet woman. Um, they're going to get six wins, and they're going to go to a bowl game. And it's not going to be what we expect from this program. And it's not a team that should be going six and six in back to back years. And and we can talk about that. But let's not just completely burn it to the ground yet. Okay, let's not. Um, I don't want to talk. I don't want to get too deep in like program issues right now. We can do that later. Um, I think there's a lot of soul searching that needs to be done at OSU right now. I have some thoughts on how the staff is put together. Um, and he's not going to like it. But let's just focus on this game. Let's just talk about All right, let's go for it. this game on its own because I don't want to get too much into – yeah, let's just talk about this game against Baylor. A, we all should have seen this season coming for Baylor. If you went back and look at Matt Rule's time at Temple, they won like one game, seven games, ten games. Well, guess what he's doing at, at Baylor now? One game – Seven games, we're on our way to 10, folks. Like, at this point, could Baylor strip up down the line? Yeah. They get OU and Texas at home. Um, OU might go to – Baylor might go to the Big 12 title game. And I know OSU fans are going to be pissed off and frustrated, but it's kind of like when all the OSU fans got mad in 2017 because we lost to TCU and it turned out TCU was actually just a really pretty good team. Yeah. Um, like, I know it's frustrating because OSU, and OSU was a favorite. I don't. To be honest, I don't know why OSU was a favorite. Vegas was drunk, but like you, you lost to a good team. It's frustrating because of the final score, but the game was closed through three quarters. Yeah, and Baylor, and then OSU just kind of broke. I mean, honest to goodness, that's that's what happened. Um, so I, I don't. It's so hard. Like you can get more mad about the Texas Tech loss than this one. That's my problem. I think we were all we all I thought they were, were going to win, and this is a game they usually do. But like, I get Texas being mad about the Texas Tech loss, but this, I think it's how they lost. But man, and I know people just don't think Baylor's very good, and they're not like well, like they're not going to win the a playoff game. But are they good enough in a down Big Twelve year to make the Big Twelve title game? Yeah, yeah, they're pretty sound. And Charlie Brewer's I've been on the Charlie Brewer fan club you know bus since before the season. He's pretty darn good. He is. Um, so yeah, I just like it sucks and it's frustrating because I really thought they'd win this game, but I also am like, okay. No, I, I think Baylor definitely proved that they were the better team. I think it's just one of those things that we've seen really I'm I'm gonna throw it out twenty fourteen because that was just an awful season, but pretty much since twenty ten, outside of that year, you really felt Oklahoma State can go in any week as you know, the worst team of the two and come out with a win because they just find ways to win those games. And 
really, I mean, we saw it last season in games where Oklahoma State was a superior team and they lost. But then you also had, you know, the Texas and West Virginia game where Oklahoma State probably wasn't the better team. They found ways to win. This year, we just we just haven't seen that. We haven't seen that same spark. And I think that more goes back to a program issue that we're going to need to get into in the future. But it's just, it's. I think it's so hard because we've seen Oklahoma State win this, those types of games like we saw yesterday time and time again. And now we just, we just, I don't see that same spark. I don't see that same fight that we've seen in years past. And I think that's what's the most frustrating thing to me. Yeah. You know, I wrote in my four quarters, like there's something about OSU where A, they usually win this game. B, OSU when they were in their heyday was good even when some things didn't work. Yeah. And that's not the case for OSU anymore. And specifically, OSU was good even if the quarterback wasn't great, they could still win games and find ways to win them. This year, that's just not the case these last two years, and that's what's so confounding, and I think is why the two things that are holding OSU back are, A, they can't, and B, their quarterback's not been, their quarterback's been a problem. I don't want to get in Spencer yet. Uh, let's talk defense. I want to talk, because what was your, what was your, Thought pro- thoughts on the defense on Saturday. So, I guess my uh, we and I, I you wrote about it in your four quarters, and we knew that the defense, the Jim Knowles defense, is aggressive when we're going to see big plays given up. But I think it was not just that it was one or two. It was it felt like at least once a drive, Baylor was finding ways to just break open a back breaking type play, and we really saw it. I believe it was on the first play on defense for Oklahoma State, where Eamon Ogbongwamiga comes free off the edge, clear shot at Charlie Brewer, missed him 25 yards, and then 20-yard gain, 25 or 30-yard touchdown run. Like, just that quick, they're scoring. It wasn't just they were giving up big plays. It was how they were giving up big plays that I have an issue with. It was missed tackles. It was just flat-out missed assignments. Not even just aggressiveness. It was just poor discipline in the you know just the game as a whole and it's it's really kind of interesting how we've seen over the course of the whole season penalties have been cleaned up for the most part the outside yes. of the, outside of that second half of Texas really Oklahoma State is not beating themselves to death on penalties like they did last season no but, not at all but we've seen that lack of discipline creep into areas that are you know within their control as well where it's Missed tackles, missed assignments, awful turnovers, you know, not catching and no, not being able to force turnovers when it's gift wrapped to you, like Colby Harvell Peel dropping that interception in the end zone. It's little oh. things like it's little things like that that I more have an issue with on the defense than just them giving up a big play. If they're if you know they send eight and you know Baylor gets touched on, they don't get sacked. Okay. At least they were going all out for it. But when you miss a sack, and we saw it a couple multiple times yesterday where they had Charlie Brewer dead to rights and they couldn't bring him down. We saw they have Jermichael Hasty in the backfield or Lovett in the backfield for a loss or a you know one or two yard gain ends up being eight yards. It's that kind of stuff that is just backbreaking. And you can't do it time and time again because eventually you saw what Baylor did at the end of the game where they were just breaking off runs and it was over. You know, the the defense did well enough to keep the offense in the game like we've seen most of the season, but eventually something had to give, and it just happened to be that way. But we saw it over four quarters. They they weren't really stopping Baylor that much. 
Baylor was kind of doing whatever they wanted on offense. And they were able to tighten up a little bit in the red zone at times. But for the most part, they didn't even have to get to the red zone. It was 70-yard touchdown after, you know, 55-yard gain, what have you. Look, I think the points are are valid. Look, it's like I wrote, um, yes, this defense is going to give up big plays when it's overly aggressive. They hadn't been giving up big plays that much this season because they hadn't been just that aggressive attack the quarterback. Um, I'm going to allow the, you have Charlie Brewer and then don't because I, Charlie Brewer is a good quarterback. He's, he he can be elusive. Like that's more credit to that happened. That's going to happen with Jalen Hurt. That's going to happen. Like that happens. How many, how many times did we see they had base, uh, had, uh, Spencer Sanders dead rights, the play that turned game three yards where it should have gained negative like 10. Um, that's when you have really good mobile quarterbacks who are good on their feet, that's going to happen. But Trying to tackle Jamichael Hasty on Saturday was like watching a bunch of rednecks try to grab a grease pig at the county fair. It was embarrassing to watch. I do not understand. He's a good running back. He's not that good. And he may have just had a great game, but there were issues on tackling. There were absolutely tackling issues. I don't understand. But the big plays... Because you got what you wanted out of the aggressiveness. That was the most perfect example of the the good and the bad of this style of defense. Of uh, you're gonna get sacks, you're gonna get to the quarterback, and when you push, when you put them backwards, you're gonna put them in a good spot. Oklahoma State did a good job on third down in the game. Like they did a really good job when they got Baylor to third down. The problem was, you know, they, they went three Baylor. and nine. Baylor didn't you, get to third down. Oh, they were, they were yeah they were nailing on first and second, and that was the problem with this team. You can't if you're gonna be aggressive. I don't know that this was the right game to be that kind of aggressive in because of Charlie Brewer, because I, I, I think he, because he can move around. I don't know that this was the right game for that game, kind of game for that game. But maybe they thought because they hadn't been doing it all season, it would work. And it did at times. But the problem was when it did, it worked great. And when it didn't, they were giving up plays of 60 and 70 yards that were scoring, you know, scoring plays or almost scoring plays. And it's frustrating to watch. It's really hard to watch. It really is. Yeah. But there goes that point again. It's it's like last year. The defense does enough, and the offense isn't doing its job. And that was the point I wrote was, this is not a defense with the talent that Oklahoma State has that's going to be Bama or Georgia or some team that's going to hold you to 13 points. This defense is designed to hold teams to... I mean, let's just, they're not going to ever admit this. They're going to say, no, we want to shut teams out. You're going to hold teams to 28 points. 25 points to 24 points. If you can hold a team to 28 points, Oklahoma State's offense should be able to put up enough to beat them, right? Right. Oklahoma State is an offense that should be able to beat a team it holds to three or four touchdowns every week, period. But the offense is not doing its end of the bargain. And it's not doing the pro- – and, and when you have an offense who's supposed to score and can't score early – and lets teams stay in the game, that lets the opposing team continue to play the game the way they want to, which is going to put your defense at a disadvantage, right? The Oklahoma State's designed to get up, and it's okay that they scored. We're up 21, now it's 21-7. When we get the ball back real quick, we're going to go score again. Or we're going to, we forced a turnover because we put the quarterback in a ter- difficult situation, we put a, a, and forced him to do something he shouldn't have, and we got a turnover, and now we get the ball back. Like It's a defense that's supposed to get the ball back to the offense as quickly as possible, either because they forced a three and out or the opposing team scored quick, and that's okay. We're still up by two touchdowns. Let's go score again. The problem is 
you look at these first halves, the, the, the defense is doing its end of the job, honestly. The offense isn't. It's not a great defense, but it's not a bad team. So that wasn't a great performance from the defense, but they haven't been that bad this season. The offense is not living up to its end of the bargain, period. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I'm not going to put much of the blame on the defense at all. Now, a couple of those, it was just poor displays of tackling, especially toward yes, the end. And absolutely. Like, like, they just seen, like, that that last drive where Sanders, and we'll get to him in a minute, but he fumbles, scoop and score. Oklahoma State gets the ball back, punts. And then it was one play to Michael Hasty touchdown. And I don't, I don't think he got touched on a 75 or 80 yard run. You, you can't no. have that. You, it's just. Well, there, and how many a, times did you see a, a receiver? Wide open. You couldn't get a receiver. Yeah. couldn't get a receiver open all day. I mean, I mean, as open as Baylor had guys, the middle of the field would be empty and, and yeah. there would be Mims to just take it and run it in. I mean, it was that bad. Mm-hmm. And. I don't know how it was that bad and kept being that bad. Yeah. It it just seemed it seemed like Oklahoma State really never adjusted yesterday. Like they just kind of kept running the same scheme and Baylor just had their number. And it was this and we didn't see any adjustment really at halftime. Occasionally we were able to get some stops because we have some decent guys on this defense, but nothing seemed cohesive yesterday at all. Um, the one thing I am concerned, I think the cornerbacks still are playing well. I'm a little worried about the safety play. I, I am. Worried I don't about think it it's been up. I don't think it's been up to snuff no. the last few weeks. It's been, it's been concerning. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree with you. So I'm not going to put the blame on the defense because this is not a team built on defense. And you, it, it's, if you're mad because the defense isn't doing it, look, if, if OSU is losing games like Texas Tech used to, where they're losing 61 to 60, we can blame the defense. Okay, we yeah. can we can blame the defense. Um, I know that they've given up forty five in back to back games, but when the offense isn't doing its job when it has the opportunity to, it's putting the defense in a position that it's not built or designed to do. Sorry, that's the point. This is a and and which is we can talk about whether or not they need to reevaluate the defensive strategy if this is what the offense is going to be. That's a story for another day. But the defense to me is doing what it's supposed to be doing, and the offense isn't holding up its end of the bargain. Also, the offense is screwing the defense over because the offense keeps turning the ball over. And by the offense, I mean Spencer Sanders. This is a problem. We can talk about overthrowing guys. We can talk about um, whatever. Let's call Spade. He has 14 turnovers in his last five games. I think he leads the Big 12 in turnovers for teams by himself. Like, we have a major problem here. OSU, as a team, has turned the ball over 16 times. 14 of those are on Spencer Sanders. Think about that for a second. You want to, you want to, we can nitpick some of the interceptions. Uh, The interceptions don't bother me as much because, you know, things happen. Sometimes a defensive player just, just makes a great play. Sometimes an offensive player tips something. There's some bad interceptions on him that are all his fault. We can we can point to a couple and go, all right, well maybe it wasn't his fault. Fumbles. I think with two more fumbles. Yeah, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. That this that's the thing that is unacceptable. He has five fumbles on the season. That is unacceptable. You cannot fumble the ball that much. You can't. And you look at it. He's not he's not protecting the ball when he's getting when he's getting sacked and losing the ball. It is him not protecting the ball. It's him trying to figure out how to make that play like he did on Saturday, where he flipped a guy over him and escaped and, and tossed the ball away. He's still looking 
for the big play as opposed to taking what's in front of him. And sometimes what's in, sometimes what's in front of you is either throwing the ball away or hanging on the ball and taking a sack. Mm-hmm. And he isn't doing that. I know Gundy wants to stand by him. Um, I, I can live with some of the interceptions. The fumbles are unacceptable. The sacks are going to happen. You have to hang on to that damn ball. That's your job is to hang on to the ball. They, Those they to to the, are the problem. Yeah, they, they might need to go to the, the Coach Boone philosophy for remember the Titans. You fumble the ball, you run a mile, something. I mean, it's it's becoming one of those things that anytime he gets hit, I get nervous that the ball's going to pop out. Yeah. like it, it feels like every time that he gets hit, I'm just like, oh God, what's going to happen now? It, I see, you can see the talent. It's there. Like, yes. you see everything that we heard about. And then you see an underthrown ball. And then you see a bad read or one read, his hot read's not there and he panics and runs or he tra- keeps his eyes downfield, which you really think would be a good thing. But with his legs, just run. Like, don't try and force a throw. We saw a few of those yesterday, too. I, I did think he had a – I thought he had a better performance last on Saturday. I overall, thought he played better. Yes. yes. He looked more confident throwing the ball, which we haven't seen in the last couple of weeks. And I thought he had a good first half until I that – yeah, until he underthrew but, that ball to Jordan McRae. Uh, and now and people blaming the play call there are stupid. It worked. The first, uh, that was a great throw in the back of the end zone to start the game. And then he threw one where Can I just, just can I just say I don't uh, the fade throw is really fun and exciting because when it happens you're like, "Oh, I don't like the fade because it's technically a 50-50 ball where you're just asking your talented receiver to go up and get it." I, I mean, don't love the fade. I I don't I didn't like, but you started. It almost was like this is all we, it's all we got. That's the one move we got. We're just going to keep hitting it. I mean, when like, you have okay, you, the best, you, you got could, the best wide receiver in the country on one side, and on the other side you have a six six wide receiver on a six one corner. You take the matchups in both of those. I get that, but could we find another offensive play for touchdowns there? I just and, and people, and it, it goes the execution back to, was poor. Oh, I'm, for I'm sure, not trying for sure. to. I'm not trying to blame the play call of line. I can't believe that because if it had worked, no one would have given a crap about the play call. Like exactly. that's that's. I get annoyed that because don't come tell me you hated that play call. If it had worked, you wouldn't have cared. He underthrew a fade. I just don't love fades. Yeah. But and again, interceptions happen. Like you underthrew. I. But I will say, can I? I don't like the, fade calls. Yes, please. So going back to the fade, that might be the only throw he's comfortable making in the red zone. How many other throws have we seen him make over the middle on a crossing route or a pop pass to the tight end? Like that's what we have. That we're Hank, yeah. and it, we've talked. I think I've talked about this probably. At, we've talked about this ad nauseum, but we're handcuffed to what he can do and what he can handle, and that is the biggest. It, that's one of the biggest issues with Oklahoma State right now is they can't run a ton because we're running what he can. And it obviously right now, it's a probably about 10% of the playbook, and I might be stretching. I hope that he continues to improve and we see a little bit more as the season goes on. But right now, I mean, it has to be as vanilla as possible or just as simple as it can be. And I think a lot of it just is due to he's turning the ball over so much, they probably can't go deeper into the playbook. I really, I think I, we're going to see Spencer next week. We're going to see him the rest of the season. I will say this, though. If Drew Brown didn't have a busted left hand, I think we would have seen him after the fumble yesterday. And I think we he would probably end up be starting against Iowa State if he wasn't hurt. 
I'm curious how bad his hand actually is. We need to get someone to find out that for us. I've, I've um, seen it. It looks just like a soft, like stabilization cast. It doesn't. It's not like a hard, uh, like uh, plaster cast. So I bet it's just trying to keep it stable. I don't know what. The, I'm no doctor, but I, I've seen. I've seen what it looked like, and it's not. It doesn't look like it's a like a serious injury. Because obviously he suited up and he went in yesterday, so he can play. But I think it's definitely going to hinder him a little bit. And if he didn't have that, like I said, I think we would have seen him yesterday for a significant time in that fourth quarter. So I'll say this: he's going to start against Iowa State. OSU is going to lose to Iowa State. I'm just I'm putting it out there now. I, I agree. With um, how he performs in that game will determine how I feel about whether or not he should start against TCU. I'm going to let him go this week. I am. Um, it's fine. That's what Gunny wants to do. I'm not going to call for him yet. If he goes out and has three or four, has like two or three turnovers again, um, if he looks just over overwhelmed and outmatched, I understand he's a level guy. Uh, I'm glad that he's handling press conferences after games well. That's awesome. OSU can get to six wins, potentially seven. After Iowa State, you get TCU at home. TCU's got awful. Kansas at bye week. Kansas at home. I know Kansas' offense was great. Kansas. Uh, a road game at West Virginia, which is a sneaky game. And then OU at home. That's three wins before Bedlam. Right there. That's 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 a seven win season with a chance to to beat OU and get eight wins and feel real good about yourself. If Spencer looks good against Iowa State, all right, march him out there against TCU. TCU's defense is not what we expect. It's the TCU's defense. If he goes against Iowa State and continues to turn the ball over time and time again and looks bad, pull the plug because the, there are three very winnable games coming up. If you lose to T- Iowa State and TCU, it may be too late to go to Drew Brown. Mm-hmm. Like, Even with Kansas-West Virginia on the schedule, that means you have to win those two games or you're going into Bedlam having to win a game to get six wins. I'm not, and the, I'm not interested in that um, at all. No. So let him Spencer play this week. If he, if he, Even in a loss, if he plays well and they lose, all right. Maybe he's making the progress we need. Maybe he's not turning the ball over. Let's give him the shot against TCU. If he plays poorly, I don't care if if Drew Brown has had his left hand cut off. Put him out there. Because at this point, is Drew Brown as athletically gifted as Spencer Sanders is? No. Is he going to be as elusive as Spencer is? No. No. Will Drew Brown turn the ball over as much as Sanders? I don't know, but I doubt it. And that alone will give OSU a better shot at winning a lot of games because right now those turnovers, you want to you want to get mad at Gundy at the program at the defense at blah blah blah. Spencer Sanders has committed fourteen of the team's sixteen turnovers. Do you want to know why? Oh, and and most of those have come, all of them have come since Tulsa. Yeah. So think about that for a second. That's Tulsa, Texas, Kansas State, Texas Tech, Baylor. Last five games. That's fourteen turnovers in the last five games. That's almost three. That's averaging almost three turnovers a game. Kids, that's why Oklahoma State has looked so bad and why Oklahoma State is losing games. It's because Spencer Sanders can't stop turning the ball over. But you wouldn't know that from the Spencer truthers that think he's some infallible human that can't make any errors whatsoever. I think those are starting to dwindle. But now I'm getting to the opposite people who are like, you should have benched him three weeks ago. I'm like, stop. Like, stop. Like, just let's, let's raise two points. One. Let's actually raise three points, shall we? There's three. There's three groups of people, and I I'm, and I'm low at it. Actually, there's, there's three points. Point one: groups of people who are like they should have played 
last year in games when he could have since he had the red shirt? Yes, because playing in the fourth game, quarter of games where things don't matter and there's no pressure is going to prepare you for this kind of stuff. Right. Sure, whatever. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, two, I'm still fine with the he's got to get through this to get better. Do I see the talent and the ceiling and the potential? Yes. Um, but at this point, he can also develop when, in practice and in the offseason. Like at some if, point, if it takes, we already did the. We have to sacrifice the season. Like, look, he wasn't ready last year. I get it, and and Cornelius obviously was the best option, but I ain't gonna I ain't gonna suffer through a five and seven season just so he can maybe win, maybe so that maybe he can get us to ten wins in three years because we don't even know if he can get there. I don't need. I'd rather go to the Liberty Bowl again and then have another off season for him to figure that out, and then we try it again next year, than as opposed to well. We think he's going to win 10 games next year, but we got to go five and seven this year to figure that out because he can't stop turning the ball over. At some point, like I'm all about upside. Like when they decided to go to Spencer Sanders, I was all in. And I've said that before. Like I'm like, okay, let's go do the damn thing. But at some point, I don't give a shit about upside if it costs us games. Yes. Go win the game first and then develop. If he needs to sit for two weeks and watch what Drew Brown does and then, you know, for the Kansas game, he comes back and then he goes, oh, maybe I was doing this wrong after film and watching what, how Drew Brown works, how a redshirt senior experienced quarterback works. That could be the best thing for him. But I don't think that Oklahoma State's going to do that. I don't necessarily want them to do that. But if he keeps turning the ball over, we have serious problems. Yeah. Um, I do want to make one other point, and it's not my point. Uh, I want to give some props to uh, to Dave Beal, who writes for – he's a contributor for Heartland College Sports and uh, is an OSU guy. His point was this. Everyone's been Oliver Gundy because he's overly loyal to his quarterbacks. You know, he's so loyal to, to Cornelius. And here's, here was his point. This is a tweet. I'm going to read it, and I think it was brilliant. Uh, Gundy being overly loyal to quarterbacks is a bad take, in my opinion. He switched mind season. Uh, he's switched uh, midseason. Woods for Reed, correct. Reed for Robinson, yep. Kate for Whedon, well, had to. Shelf for Walsh, yeah, I remember that 2013 season. Shelf yeah. got like nothing. And Shelf was the reason. They got to 10 Shelf, wins and almost won a Big 12 title. Right, because he remember, they went back to him. Yeah. They went back to Shelf and Walsh couldn't get this job done. Um, we can remember that uh, <laughs> they wouldn't let Rudolph do anything in the red zone as for his his sophomore season. They kept putting J.W. Walsh in all the time. If, if Robinson, they put Walsh in, in games when Robinson looked just overwhelmed. Rudolph, you mean? Yeah, I yeah. get your point, but yes. The, quote, he's too loyal thing started because he played corndog over the guy y'all wanted bench now. Like, the, there's, there's so much validity to he's overly loyal to quarterbacks because he only played corndog last season and you all wanted to play Spencer Sanders, and now he's playing Spencer Sanders and you all want Spencer Sanders benched. Like, man, we are all just, as fans, we get so caught up in the moment and our emotion that we create narratives that we want to be there. Gundy likes Sanders. It's it's a, he realizes he's a freshman and he's trying to make sure he doesn't ruin this kid and that he gets him to be what he thinks he's going to be. Honest to goodness, I do think there's a little bit of look what happened with West Lunt. Now part of West Lunt was injuries, but West Lunt just was never the same because you know he got mad and got benched and left. Now Spencer's not any good and he wants to leave. That's fine, but I, I get Gundy trying to stick by his kid. I do. That it's mm-hmm. it's so easy as for sit on our couch and be like bench him. If he can't handle it, like, okay, well, um, do you know how much ego is involved in sports and what locker rooms are like and what bench getting benched is like? I don't, and I can't imagine it's good, but there does come a point where you have to put the team before 
the player and his future and say, it's time to switch it up. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not, I'm not okay with five. I'm not okay with losing season. We haven't had one since 2005. I don't love six win seasons, but I'll take six wins over five. I'll take a bold trip over five wins any day. Period. I don't no, care. No, no it may not be what we want. It may be a return trip to Liberty Bowl. It may be going to, to the Cheez It Bowl. That's fine. Then Liberty Bowl is right down the street for me again. Uh, Cheez It Bowl. I got a buddy lives out in Phoenix. I can make it out there. You know, we I'll, I'll make it work. I'll just watch it at home. I don't care. I do not want to be. I don't want, once Bedlam is over, to be purely focused on basketball. Mm-hmm. I need a ball game. So whatever we got to do to get there, make it happen. Yeah. So I, I will say this. If I'm going to take one positive thing away from from this game, sh- credit to Mike Gundy, our, our loyal and fantastic special teams coordinator, for having the stones to call that fake punt. Because it actually worked, and it actually oh, looked yeah. effective and not like some shit that they threw together at the last second. And t- Tom Hutton looked good throwing a football. Like, how awesome is that? <laughs> it was fantastic. I love the play call. It worked perfectly. And it was the right time to do it because – did you see it coming? Because I didn't. No. I ha- I was like, all right, we're going to see a you know 40-yard punt or whatever, and – Flipped the field a little bit, and I went, oh, God, he's throwing the, throwing the football. But he threw a pretty good spiral and put it right on Dayton Metcalf, and we got a 25-yard gain out of it. Like, it was the perfect time to do it. They were in the right spot on the field for it to work. Like, I'm sure they had that lined up. Like, okay, if we're on the 30-yard line or whatever, let's run this thing. And I was, it, was, it was awesome. The one against Texas didn't work because everyone knew it was coming. Like, yeah. even the announcers like, I bet there's a fake here. That fake field goal. Like oh, that, ex- that fake punt was ex- executed perfectly. I didn't see it coming. No one saw it coming. The defense didn't see it. They didn't shift. And uh, props to Tom Hutton. Props to Tom Hutton. Love it. I really hope somebody interviews him about that this week. I would love to if we had access. Like I want to. I want to. He's a fun interview. Let me just tell you that because I got to talk to him before the season started. Um, I love that call. And and don't, like they pulled out so much out of their bag of tricks, which is also what was frustrating about this loss was they really did try and win this game. And it just, they couldn't. Yeah. Shout out to Tom Hutton, a uh, small sample size. If, if for, of all uh, quarterbacks in Oklahoma State history, I believe he is now tied for first or in first place in completion percentage in school history. <laughs> so that's cool. A minimum of one pass. Hey, that's all, that's all you need, man. Exactly. That's all you need sometimes. All right. Do you have any final thoughts on this? Um, 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 I'm done with this game. Like we play Iowa State next week, I think we're gonna lose. If we don't, great. If we play well, I'll be happy. That's all. I, I just just go play well. Um, we're just gonna go bowl game. I, I think the Big Twelve is bad this year. Like it's not good. No. And that's what's rest- that's what what's really frustrating is OU is head and shoulders above everybody else. Baylor's good. Texas is solid. Iowa State's turning back into Iowa State, which is they suck in September, and then they're good the rest. They're perfect in October, and then they have good Novembers. Um. And then there's just a bunch of – and it really stinks that OSU can't be better this year in a year where that half the league is. In a year where TCU is bad, four teams have new head coaches, and, and Texas is okay, it's really frustrating to not be taking it. Like this is such a OSU should be good and in second or third place season. Right, right. And uh, they're just not – yeah, I think I think that's the big thing of what makes this season so frustrating. Is Oklahoma State had a really great chance to beat Texas 
in Austin and kind of got in their own way. Same thing happened in Lubbock. That was a game that Oklahoma State should have won against a Texas Texas Tech team that really isn't that good. And then you have Baylor come in, who is a solid team, but you still felt like Oklahoma State had a chance to win that game. And it just, the wheels kind of fell off there in those last nine minutes. Gundy said that himself. And, you know, here we go. We're sitting at four and three, looking probably like four and four. Um, if if they go into to Ames and actually win that game, I'm going to lose it. But uh, I'm not trying to, I'm not betting on that at this point. <laughs> no, no, I, I think I think Iowa State's an eight and a half point favor right now. I'll um, I'll go ahead and take Iowa State in that to to cover. I just just show progress, please. Just show progress. That's what I need. Um, so let's let's. I know people want us to like rain fire down upon the program and call for Gundy's job, and I uh, I think I've written and talked about this enough that it's it's kind of hard to keep doing it after a while. Like. I think Gundy needs to make some changes to the coaching staff. I think we've reached the Bob Stoops period where Bob, you go look at OU's Bob's last few years. Like OU was still good, but that's because they got plenty of, of talent. But they weren't what OU was. Like they weren't. Baker came in his last year and was awesome. But uh, uh, go look at the years like before Lincoln, like after like Sam Bradford. They weren't great. They weren't the OU that that was OU. And Bob got a little bit complacent, and he liked to hang on to staff members longer than he probably should have, both coordinators and position coaches. And eventually Bob just hung it up. And I, I'm really worried that Gundy's reached the you either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain phase, of, and, and he's in the villain phase. And I know he doesn't like replacing coaches. I know he doesn't like having to hire coaches. Um, Nick Saban basically replaces his entire off, like staff every year and still finds ways to win national championships and be awesome. So I don't I'm not a proponent of firing people ever, but there comes a point where your position coaches are incredibly important. And I don't know that we are necessarily in the best spot with all of them. I want to that's that's what I'm going to say. We I have some concerns about some specific positions, both in play and in recruiting and i think they need to look at making a shakeup he's not gonna but it i it's so hard to not just sit here and go look if sanders doesn't turn the ball over 14 times this team's probably five and one you know but then you look at the program for the last two years and go there's something wrong in stillwater and when they don't have a quarterback like Mason Rudolph, this is what we get. And that's my concern of what this program has reached of. When you don't have a Mason Rudolph, this is what you are. Mm-hmm. Because let's be honest, OSU won 10 games with J.W. Walsh and Clint Shelf. No shot at either of those guys. Yeah. But OSU isn't in that program anymore. They're, like, they're just, they're not. They're not a team that, and I wrote about this, like you knew when Brandon Whedon was at OSU, if Brandon Whedon had a bad day, they could still win a game. Uh-huh. When the quarterback has a bad game now, they so they don't win games so anymore. Yeah, it, it, we're we're that's really that's a, the program that's the program concern I have for OSU is that it's so it's now so reliant on having an awesome quarterback. That's that is not a recipe for. So they're now you know what they are? They're the Kansas City Chiefs. It's it's one of those things where we're, this program is definitely reaching a crossroads of where they're going to go. And 
I don't think we're near the end of the Gundy era. We might be. I don't know yet. No. Uh, there's a lot that can still play out here where things can completely not, change. Not till after his. Not till after his son comes through. Yeah, it, it's just one of those things where we're in a spot now where it just feels like the program's sitting in neutral. Like I don't think they're necessary. I, I think they're six, seven, eight wins right now. I think is peak. I, I don't uh, now things could change over the next couple of years and that, you know, we see a nine or 10 win team again, but I'm not expecting that right now. It's we're just in a spot where it's just, we're okay. And that's about where it's at. Um, I hate accepting that because it's just, that's what mediocrity is. And I hate sitting in that spot once again for Oklahoma state football, but you know, we can always hope for the best. Um, but we're, we're definitely in a spot right now where the program is, there's a lot of question marks and not a lot of answers, unfortunately. Yeah, it's it's concerning, man. Yeah. There's there's there needs there needs to be some soul searching in Stillwater, and about it. I don't know if it's going to happen, but it, I, I'm not fi- rain, fire, and brimstone upon it all. No. But there's there's there needs to be some real conversations about it. You know, you look at Michigan State right now. And oh, yeah. that offense has sucked for like three years now. And what did D'Antonio, D'Antonio do? D'Antonio. All right. I, there's D'Antonio and D'Antonio. It drives me up the wall. Anyways, what did the head coach do at the, in the offseason? Um, he didn't fire any of his offensive court staff. Not, not a single member of his bat offensive staff. He literally just reshuffled and put them all in different positions. So suddenly your running backs coach is your tight ends coach, and your tight ends coach is your offensive line coach, and your offensive line coach is like your – Run wide receiver like he just reshuffled everybody and there's offense sucks and it's kind of like yeah well um that's not how that works you, square pegs don't suddenly fit in round holes and make the puzzle work um so you, you do have to start to look at things and go where are our weaknesses and where do we need how do we fix them and sometimes it's bringing in some someone new i hate it I don't. I'm never a proponent of firing anybody, um, unless they're just a horrible human being. But this is a business. I know it's not. It's it's, it's, it's a business. Like it makes money. And we, I'm not dealing in that. But something's something's got to change. Yep. And I'm Gun- sure. Uh, yeah. I'm sure we're going to be talking about this in in bits and pieces over the next few weeks, depending on how the you know the rest of the season shakes out. But there's a lot of question like i said there's a lot of question marks around this team right now we'll see how the rest of this shakes out but um this is a lot more of a somber episode than i was expecting it to be but we'll we'll let's just end it right here where can everyone follow you on twitter philip um value personally at oktxar poke um let's not end on a sad note let's not okay um oklahoma state oklahoma state cowgirls uh went on the road to ames and beat beat iowa state in soccer they now sit atop the Big Twelve standings. Oh, they beat West they Virginia have, too. They beat that they was the went, first time they that beat was West Thursday. Virginia. That was yep, Thursday. Yep, they yeah. beat they beat West Virginia for the first time in they're one and nine against West Virginia now, which is weird. Um, so beat, go on the road, beat West Virginia. Go on the road and beat Ames three uh, Beat Iowa State three nothing. They now thanks to some other to TCU going into Lubbock and beating Texas Tech. Iowa State, Oklahoma State sits atop the standings in the Big Twelve. They have a home game against they have a home match against Baylor next week, and they have a home match against OU the week after. Win both of those, they win the Big Twelve. They they control. I hate saying the phrase "control their destiny" because it just doesn't. It's an oxymoron statement. But 
the the Big Twelve title, regular season title, is in their hands. If they they win and they they have it, lose, draw, things can get dicey. Um, but if they win both of those matches, you got you've got Big Twelve champs. There we go. Go out to Neil Patterson Stadium, support the Cowgirls. Follow me at JT Penfield. Be sure to follow the main site at Cowboys RFF. Stay locked on the site. We've got a lot of content coming up this week, and we will be back midweek to preview Iowa State. We'll talk to you all then.